0: Hey guys, Meredith Baker here for On The Map, Off The Radar, and today we have a very musical On The Map, Off The Radar. We have former digital analyst for Interscope Records and a drummer for MIA, personal friend of mine, Kieran Gandhi, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about how the music industry is changing. You all might have heard... Um, A while back, how Taylor Swift pulled her songs from Spotify because she thought the artists weren't getting the money they deserved, And then recently there was the failure of Jay-Z's new streaming service called Tidal. So Kieran, just to start off, could you tell us how streaming is changing in the music industry right now?
1: Absolutely. Um, there's some amazing ways that streaming is changing the industry and some negative ways. So the negatives are the ones that we always hear about. The idea that uh, artists aren't getting paid enough money, that artists don't have control over where their music goes, that artists never see a check from their royalties that come from streaming. Um, those are very obvious and very fair complaints and especially artists who enjoyed the benefits of the former music industry where they were making 18 to $20 off a CD or that's how much the CD was sold for and they're making a much higher percentage of that than they were now off of a single sale or obviously a stream um, that's where you find the most complaint but two things on that one is that obviously you have to compare it to free the real problem was was Napster and, and internet file sharing um, that really opened up a whole different way of how we understand and value recorded music and so when you take Spotify and compare the value delivered it's obviously enormous um, the second way that I wanted to answer this question was in the positive which is that streaming is changing the way we understand and consume music because before in the industry, whenever you had an album release or a single release, what the records labels would do would line up everything on the one release date. So they would line up all the fans outside Tower Records and they would make sure they bought the billboard ad on the right day leading up um, to the release date. And everything was about this one day. So if you blew it, no one would have heard of the album. It was epic. And it was, making, you people lost their jobs over this at the label if they didn't get it right. In streaming, what's really cool and really exciting is that the length of a song can last much, much longer than ever before in our history. And by that, I mean when we release a song on Spotify, usually it's not the first day that's the most exciting day. It's usually the song is found over time by people sharing it or people putting it on a playlist and then hearing it in relation to other really well-known songs. And so a song that really could have only had a shelf life of like, two weeks to a month in the heyday of the industry can now last on someone's playlist for almost four years, and the artist can continually reap the benefits um, of those plays.
0: Wow. That's so interesting that it's kind of changed everything in the music industry for the artists and for the consumers as well. And could you talk to us a little bit about some of these new music experiences that are emerging um, in addition to the streaming?
1: Absolutely. In fact, when an artist um, enters the industry now, what she or he has to think most about is multiple sources of revenue. So not only do you think about the money you make from your actual recorded music, which now is a smaller uh, piece of the pie because it may be from Spotify, perhaps from iTunes or whatever, but you also have to think more like this. I can use my streaming uh, music or my recorded Mm -hmm. music, to bring the fan in, to make them love what I do, to make them really interested in the sounds that I'm making and the message that I have, and myself as an artist. But they want to buy more. They want to be part of my experience. They want to be a fan. They want to be part of my story. They're my cheer team, you know. So what can I what can I give to them that they want to buy and consume and be part of that they value? So this can be the obvious, classic things like a tour, a show, as well as merchandise, so a T-shirt or a hat or, like, cool um, lighting that you can bring in for the show. But you can also think of other really creative things, like doing a scavenging hunt for them around their favorite city or partnering with a brand. Um, For example, Imagine Dragons recently partnered with Southwest Airlines to fly all of the fans um, from around the world to a show that they were doing in Las Vegas, and they were on the flight as a surprise to the fans and played a show for them there. Um, each of the fans played, paid uh, quite a bit of money to be on that um, show. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, and Imagine Dragons got to reap the benefits of thinking creatively and thinking outside the box. I think that can also expand um, to other, uh, other parts of the art and other sort of ways we understand digital. Is that right now we're in an attention economy in which success and money follows attention. Usually it was the other way around. We used to buy attention. You used to get signed to the label quite quietly. And then they would pay to buy you billboard spots to get you onto TRL. Money was your engine. I would say now the coolest part of the industry that can be applied to anybody else who's making things, who's a creator, who's an artist, who's a thinker, if you have followers, if you have people listening to you, and that can be proven for free using Facebook or Twitter or any of those services. Right. If you have people following you There's value there, and they want to be part of your experience because they voted up by saying, oh, I like you, I want to follow you, I'm interested in you. And that's really how artists and other thinkers and creators can be using free to generate an income down the line. They can say to a brand, for example, hey, look, I'm a skateboarder, and I have all these fans watching my videos, Maybe they could go to GoPro and partner up with GoPro, and GoPro could pay the artist for maybe a couple of months' worth of content, and the artist can make something exclusively for GoPro, and then direct all of those fans, the cheer he has, to a new product, and be sponsored by them. So there's all sorts of new ways that people are thinking about value, and value delivery, and value creation, in a way that was always looked down upon, because if you go to a brand, it's like selling out. But... I do believe that when the brand is delivering joy to the customer and delivering joy to the artist, it can be a really, really beautiful synergy.
0: Right, a really good mutual relationship. Coming over into uh, the gender equality aspect of music, can you talk a little bit about the important role that women play in the music industry as a very important woman in the music industry yourself and the importance of women continuing to create music?
1: Absolutely. There's a couple of reasons why women in the music industry matter. And there's women as artists, and then women working on the business side. And let's start with women as artists. A lot of times what I believe is that good music is storytelling. If you look at Kendrick Lamar's past two albums, I believe that they did really, really well because they told a story of black America and black history. They told a story of his hardships growing up in Compton. They related to a lot of people whose stories are not on the map and who aren't typically told whose stories stay within a place that people already know the story. It's not told to the whole world. It's not told to America. His album came out at a time that Ferguson was under fire, where Baltimore was rioting because there's police brutality that's blatantly related to racism and to race preference. And so when you think about the impacts that music and storytelling can have on, on changing a nation and changing the way we think and understand really difficult parts in our history, I believe that's why it matters for women to play music. I believe that more we hear women's voices, the more we understand stories that, that we tend to make uh, mystified. We tend to say, oh, we don't know about women, like, women are a mythical being, you know, women, um, well, we don't, we don't understand those creatures. And we do that to sort of other them, to quiet their voices. We do that because it's easier than to say, no, you matter. We want to give you a forefront, we, your story matters. And I think that's where music and pop culture can make a really big change. Where instead of us being shown um, only, only for our sex, only for our hotness, only for our beauty, we're we're shown for our stories, for our passions, for our curiosity, for our intelligence—things that men get to show on a daily basis all the time. Men in their stories get to show their complexity, their dynamism. The fact that they're one day sexual beings and one day business beings, but rarely do you see that across women. And so then what happens is in the next generation, when they come up and they see what roles are carved out for women, especially through pop culture, because children see pop culture more than they see anything, they tend to believe, oh, the best way that I can advance in my life is to be sexual. And that's the main option to me, because that's all I see. So that in music and in visual culture, that's why I believe, A, it's really important to have more women telling their stories and in a more dynamic and complex way. Now on the business side, I believe it's also really amazing and important to have more women uh, running record labels and managing bands and doing all sorts of the industry uh, roles. Because when the next generation, similar to what I described before, sees women balance out a career with a family life, balance out sexism with doing a really good job at their work, we feel like we have a roadmap. We feel like, ah, it's possible. There she is doing it. Ah, how did she do it? What can I learn from that? Okay, let me rinse and repeat. Another thing that's very important, if I had a message for a lot of the women who are currently in the music industry or in any sort of male-dominated fields right now, usually they're the only one. You know, they're the only CEO or the only general manager or the only working mother or the only ANR representative who's a woman.
0: And after a while,
1: man, it's exhausting. Like, you don't want to be the only. It's, it's time-consuming. It's burdensome. Sometimes it's distracting from the work that you're trying to do because you're just focused on being the only chick doing the job. And so what happens is they leave, as would anyone. It's not a woman's problem. It's a human problem. You don't want to always be the only one. But what we need, what our generation needs and our message to the older generation is to stay older, to stay in those positions and to last for us, because then we will have that roadmap and we will know how to go in and achieve the careers that we really want to achieve, but before weren't accessible to us. And also, you educate the men and women around you that this can and very well be done by a female and it's not just for men. So those are some of my thoughts about having more women in the music industry.
0: Well, that's great because it is something that can be broadly applied to, like you said, all fields and professions and something that hopefully all of our viewers, female and male alike can take away. Thank you so much for giving us your insight into the changing music industry and also um, touching on some really important gender equality aspects of it as well. Um, Thanks everybody. This has been On the Map, Off the Radar with special guest, Karen Gandhi.
1: Thank you so much. (laughs)